You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Greetings, scalawags. Scalawag, a person who behaves badly, but in an amusingly and mischievous rather than harmful way. I like that one. You know who submitted that one? Me, because nobody sent in a really good nickname this week. Do better next time, folks. Okay, I want to welcome all the new listeners that we have, and I know we have some new ones because we've recently risen really high in the iTunes charts under Christianity, and we've seen a spike in downloads. So folks, welcome. We're glad you're here at the Bad Christian Podcast. My name is Matt. We'll be joining Toby and Joey in a second. Don't take us too seriously. We're not trying to do the same thing that John Piper and Tim Keller and Matt Chandler Although they're great, we're not trying to do what it is that they do. What we do is just talk and hang out. You're going to get me and Toby and Joey talking to each other like we would if we were hanging out at a bar or on a camping trip, except for we have a guest with us. And today that guest is Jake from August Burns Red and Heart Support. All right, now the main thing that I need everybody to focus on right now is our new ebook called The M Word. It's real stories from women about sex addiction, masturbation, and pornography. So right now, go to badchristian.com forward slash the M word. B-H-E-M-W-O-R-D. The book is free. So go over there. There is an option if you did want to pay something. If you thought it was worth something and you wanted to support us, you can pay. But it's totally guilt-free. Don't hesitate to go get it for free. Absolutely. We want everybody to have it. And more importantly, share it. Just share it. Send the link out to people. Make a comment on it. Uh, post it on Facebook. Tell people there's a free book out there. We actually really believe that people being brutally honest and open about real struggles that they may currently be in and not have a great ending. And we believe it's helpful just because it's true. It's part of reality and it's neglected and underreported and undertalked about in Christianity and the rest of the world. www.badchristian.com forward slash the M word. Go there right now. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. So that sounded like uh, people had their fast forward, you know, their times two speed on their podcast there. I put a subliminal message in Matthew. What, what did was you the say? subliminal message? I said all of our siblings. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's the worst subliminal message wow, that, ever. That doesn't really. What does that do to you? I thought a subliminal message is actually something that like makes you like. I guess it wasn't you know, subliminal. Subliminal would mean if if people couldn't pick out what if they it was, couldn't pick it out. Yeah, and usually it would have a purpose or a meaning or a reason to do it, not simply a list of names. Yeah, I think what you did was say <laughs> the names of our siblings softly. Yeah, <laughs> not no, subliminal. Nothing to do with subliminal. Subliminal. Matt, you're going to be kind of excited about this. Guess what? Uh, Priscilla had her virgin experience with. What's that? Nice. I don't. If you want to go that deep, that's okay. What? But I don't know. How long have y'all been married? How long have you and Priscilla been married, Joey? <laughs> I want to hear about her virgin experience in She's, the last week. She saw the simple plan. Oh, the movie For A the Simple first Plan. Time. Yep. Yeah, yep. I recommend that to anybody uh, who's not seen the movie A Simple Plan. It's Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton. It is my second favorite movie, and it's, w- it's first not one's well Legend known. of the Falls. First one's Legend of the Falls. Hey. Second one is A Simple Plan, and it is amazing. I was uh, trying to tell other people. Joey was telling us today at our staff meeting about the movie, and I was like, "Man, it's just one of those awesome movies. It just 
Uh, you guys got to see I said, you just feel awful watching <laughs> yeah. that. They're like, well, I don't want to see that. But it's true. You do feel awful, but yes, it, it's the, the acting awful. and everything is so good in it. It's just amazing. Well, hey, I'm going to tell you why that's why that is the way it is. So people, some people don't like the way you feel when you watch an awful movie that makes you feel bad. But if I've watched it so many times that the awfulness doesn't affect me as much. And now I really find it. Uh, engaging and fun and funny to watch so you get to really go deeper and I think same with Legends of the Fall and if if making you feel awful is a bad thing then that means that the movie is doing its job it's just like people that say they don't watch scary movies because they're scary I say well that's good because that means it's working or you don't ride roller coasters because they scare you well that that's the point of them so that means they are good movies not not ones you should avoid yeah but there's certain movies you just don't want to watch because you don't want to feel miserable or terrible oh like the human centipede (laughs) <laughs> oh Lord! Don't ever mention that movie again. I saw that movie. It is just awful to watch. It's unbearable. It's a it's a B movie, and it's just I just don't even want to talk about it. It it made me I, honestly. There's two movies in my life where I thought I was going to throw up. That movie, and then uh, what was the 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 first movie I saw when I was little? I don't know why my parents let me see it, but it was called Worm. I think it's called Worm Eaters, and it was this weird B movie where. People ended up, uh, a crazy scientist made everybody eat all these worms, and they turned into worms. And I promise, I thought I was going to vomit. <laughs> it made me sick to my stomach. Yeah, I can't believe some of hey, the stuff so our I, parents let us do. Go ahead, Joey. What's you got? I know. No, that, and, uh, oh, can we stay here for one second? I totally agree. This, you know, we just got done with Halloween here recently, and uh, I couldn't believe my wife. Like, we went to this party, and they had, like, jump castles for the kids, giving out candy. You know, you reach your hand into the box, and it's like brains, but it's really like spaghetti noodles and stuff, and uh, all this stuff. And then Jess goes, oh, we're going to walk through the haunted house. And I was like, I said, Jess, I mean, our oldest child is five. <laughs> and then we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I said, I don't think – she said, no, trust me, this is going to be the easiest, lightest, funnest ha- haunted house ever. We walk in. I promise I'm scared. All the lights are out. And you hear <laughs> all this you're crazy. Dark, you hear all this crazy, scary noises and all this stuff. We start walking forward. Out of nowhere, a person rises up from the floor, like just going up and down. Going, uh, uh, and, and Ruby goes, "Mommy, please, please, let's just turn around. I was like, let's get out of here." And I promise, there was like four or five people just turned around and all walked out and followed us because it was like petrifying. Yeah, I had and, the same and my parents, to me. My when parents I was took me through that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know. My parents my took pa- me through. I was petrified. I, I, and my parents didn't turn around. I remember watching Dracula movies, unbelievable, when I was seven. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, I mean, just my parents just didn't care. Was, oh yeah, yeah, messed up, man. I was so scared of I was so scared of vampires when I was little, and this is the God's honest truth that my house when we were growing up did not have air conditioning. I would sleep in the summers with my covers up to my neck because I thought vampires couldn't bite me as long as I had my <laughs> covers up to the neck. And I would sleep with three or four covers and sweat. And like hallucinating stuff because I was so scared. I think our parents, they, they weren't necessarily looking back on it, made some of the wisest decisions. Maybe they weren't even good parents. But the problem is I think the same parallels to now, there's stuff that we're doing that our kids – well, you'll look back on it and say it's just unbelievable. So, like, we didn't have a car seat after I was age two. I'm sure of it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. for instance, maybe we're bad parents because I'm pretty sure Georgia started saying the word shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to get y'all's take on that. I think we've been operating under the principle that it's okay to cuss in front of the kid because they don't know. But she just started talking a few weeks ago, and I thought she said shit, and I s- repeated it to her, and then she just repeated it back to me. She said the worst shit to you. Yes, she did. So, but here the question I really have about that's funny. Of course, we won't reinforce it, and maybe we'll lay off some of the language. But my real question is, 
should we really change everything? Is it really that bad if our, our kids hear us talk the way we talk? Or do we have to go into parent mode for the next 20 years or do it behind their back? What, what are we going to do about that? What does it matter if a kid says but, for instance? That's where other people get mad if yeah. you say but or dumb. You know, they're not cuss words. Yeah, it's funny. It's, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Toby and I, we actually do a little five-minute uh, family podcast uh, that it's kind of intertwined with our church. And I Nice just, plug. Yeah, I just recorded an episode on this because I know families that you're not allowed to say but. You have to say bottom. Yeah. You're not allowed to say poop. You have to say potty. And I just think that is just going so overboard. It's like it, it creates these kids that go to school and say, oh, you shouldn't have said poop. Right. You're supposed to say potty. And it's just like, gosh, that's so weird. I think for me, uh, I know this is going to sound really radical. Well, not 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 really because of what you just said. You're actually asking a question if it's okay for Georgia to say shit. So that's about as crazy <laughs> as it comes. But, but uh, I think for me, I, I don't. I don't care if my kids grow up saying some of these words, but not now just because I don't think they have the ability to discern the right environment or inappropriate environments to say. Anything. Yeah, but most In other of words, it to you, me you don't you don't want Georgia to walk into a funeral home for your grandma's funeral and say, Dad, it smells like shit in here. Well, I don't you want, want her to walk just, in and say it smells like poop in here. If it, in an inappropriate yeah, situation. But, I don't. I mean, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, that was just a bad example on my part, though. <laughs> Why do all your examples have to do with death and funeral? But, like the old thing, if you sometimes. do it, I mean, sex and death always. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could just. What about his daughter walking into preschool? Wouldn't uh, that be normal? Funeral. Why does it have to be Matt's grandmother died and his daughter says? <laughs> Let me set this. The dead story. grandmother smells like shit. Picture this, Matt. You have to say that. All right, you Matt. don't want Georgia to walk into the room when you and Bridget are having sex <laughs> <laughs> and say, "What is this shit?" <laughs> no, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is the, the the movement of parents to say, "Don't say butt, say bottom, or whatever." I, that is mainly geared. I think it, the, all the examples people give you is what if your kid does something somewhere, in which case it just makes the parents look bad. So all, all you're worried about is somebody thinks that you're a bad parent if your kid says a different word than other kids say it. That's what I think is right. motivated. So what if I don't care if somebody thinks I'm a bad parent because I let my kid say but? Well, you, but I don't here's care. The thing. You want to teach Georgia how to care about other people's convictions. So. You can't do that at her age right now, but my girls are older. They're eight and six, and they'll be doing some potty humor, saying poo-poo and poo-poo butt and all that stuff. And I'll say, look, when you're at your friend's house, you have to remember that their parents may not be okay with their kids talking that way. I don't mind if you joke around in front of your dad, but it's a totally different thing to go into someone else's house, so just be aware of that. So I'm trying to instill in them a respect for someone else's yeah. boundaries. Well, when you so make it just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's what I've done as far as my bad parent report of the week. So, Well, I'm going to start a segment right now, and it's going to end this week too. It's called, I'm going to start it, I'm going to do it once, and then it's over. It's called Bizarro Pastor Stories. So I get these sometimes. I walked in, and I'll, I'll let Toby go ahead and make his joke, but I walked into Dunkin' Donuts. Was this sixth meal or seventh meal? <laughs> so there was a guy in front of me, and he was being very demanding. To the, he was just like, no, no, like one of those coconuts. And so he turns around to me, and he says, if they don't like them, they don't have to eat them. And he pushed my belly with his finger. A, a, strange, a stranger. What? 
he said if they don't like them, they don't have to eat them. So he's basically getting a bunch of donuts for people, and he's being demanding with the people at Dunkin' Donuts. And he says, "Yep, they don't like them, they don't have to eat them." And pushes my belly. What, what do you mean? Be- push I don't your belly. know. You mean put his finger I, in it like you're the Pillsbury Doughboy, or exactly. push you backwards, exactly. or what? No, he touched my belly. It was kind of like you do? Did you lose I just it? was like, kind of looked at him. So he said, "Hey, you don't work on Fridays." And I was like, no, not typically. He says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. So, oh, my Lord, the sirs started coming. This guy's like 15 <laughs> years older than me. And he's just like, oh, yes, sir. Okay, sir. And uh, so he says, man, pastors are never off. He's just like, that Bible always stays open. <laughs> and, and so I asked him, I said, well, where do you work? He said, nowhere now. And I said, well, who's all these donuts for? He said, that's no, for the vendors. <laughs> what? what in the world is that supposed to mean? What I don't know. And so I really do believe that because I was a pastor, he, he would not have done this if I wasn't a pastor. He goes out to his car, and he comes back in, and he hands the the cashieress, a young uh, teenager, hands him a $5 bill <laughs> for a tip well, in front of me and then leaves. Well, Joey, this guy's pr- clearly mentally unstable, if not ill. Right, it, or he kind of just seemed really drunk. But yeah, he was he was no. Nah, well, off, even if he is drunk, it sounds to me like the guy's imbalanced, if not mentally ill. Sounds like to me because that's very yeah erratic, erratic behavior. Yeah, but I think people do treat p- pastors super weird. Like, what well, he immediately had a bunch of respect and reverence for him, for you because of it. Yeah, I really do think it's like it. People see it as sin not to be super respectful. And to a pastor. pastors. I mean, it was immediately his demeanor changed. I've had someone actually uh, smoking a cigarette and cussing uh, in a conversation with me. And then someone said, hey, yeah, he's the pastor of such. And they get up out of their chair, totally change their demeanor, <laughs> apologize for the cuss words, put the cigarette down, maybe apologize again for something. I was just like, oh, my gosh, talk about uncomfortable. So I'll, I'll throw in a cuss word just <laughs> <laughs> just to negate the whole situation sometimes. No, nah, I usually won't do that. I'll so the, in, the, in the Bizarro Pastor segment, are you are, the, in fact, the Bizarro Pastor? No, no, it's a biz- Bizarro moment. Bizarro things think that, that happen to, to all pastors? pastors? Yeah, I think so. You think I mean, most like, past- pastors have weird moments where Well, our people senior pastor, Greg, talks about how, like, in, in an airplane, he always dreads the question, what do you do for a living? Because, you know, he's pretty introverted, and he's just like, oh, man, you know, either someone's going to, shut me off completely which may not be a, a bad thing or they're gonna you know want hours and hours of free counseling you know but but typically walls go up or walls come down in a really weird way if that makes sense yeah no i, I think it's weird because you can imagine like the typical uh priest or whatever with the collar on i mean those guys never get treated normal ever that'd be right. a disaster so i think it's terrible uh, first of all that's I don't true. think the reverence for pastors in that sense is even a good thing. I mean, obviously, no, I don't it's just not even I don't good. Either. I don't think they ought to be uh, treated really any different. And you can imagine it even, it's even detrimental. And we see we see it all the time. I was talking to Carl that does X3 groups, and he leads a, a pastor's group. And they, he said they have to meet together and video conference with a bunch of other pastors to talk about sin and stuff in their life because they can't tell anybody else. Because they said that people around them would just never understand it or believe it or respect them. And they just never, th- nobody thinks they could even talk to them about it at all because people treat them so reverently as a pastor. 
why don't they have the audacity to start changing that? Joey, I think you're a rarity. I think that our friendship and the way you open yourself up to your friends and even our church is a rarity. I would say, honestly, being a pastor is, I would say, majority, probably a lonely job. I, I don't think you can be. I think, you, but huh? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but you, you're super open with your life and everything. I mean, all the good and the bad. I mean, there are tons of pastors I believe that just end up being kind of lonely, can't share their reality, and then a, a lot of those pastors sometimes end up. You see them on the news or what's going on in their life is bad. They, yeah, of you course, because I mean? you can't be alone. Their t- pastors are completely uh, are often lonely and depressive people i mean joey has depression but still that's normal i mean that's pretty normal for pastors really and but part of the problem is people treat pastors with all this respect and no matter what every man every woman everybody likes to be respected so you're not going to willingly lay down that automatic respect that people give you yeah so you're just going to take it and then you're it's just going to mess you up so i think treating your pastor with respect can mess them up for sure, but uh, be very disrespectful. Di- you need to, your to disrespect well, I was, your pastor. <laughs> I was disrespected this week, uh, today actually, and I wanted to uh, go back to a topic that we have talked about in the past. I'm sorry, man. And uh, I just I I feel like this is a win for me. All right, Matt, you remember when we went to Jason's Deli? Said, "Hey, I would like to buy a, an ice cream," and the guy said, "Hey, we don't sell ice cream." I said, "Oh, well, that's all I want." He said, "Okay, just go get one. We don't sell ice cream." So. I went and got a free ice cream, and so did you, right? Yes, I did. Oh, okay, you remember? I followed your lead. I mean, it was it was you. This debate has been going back and forth with with our coworker and friend Andy Gill uh, about the idea of when I go now to Jason's Deli, if I choose, like, if somebody says, "Hey, I want to go eat," and they they choose Jason's Deli, and I don't want to eat or say I bring my lunch. Is it still okay for me at any Jason's Deli to get a free ice cream? <laughs> because somebody that worked there told you, yes. Right. Or I ask again, and, the, you know, I can ask again, and they probably maybe would give me another ice cream as well. But if I'm with somebody who's buying a meal, I think oh, I'll just get an ice cream because it's just complimentary. It's just you're at Jason's Deli, you get the, con- you get the ice cream. So Andy took, he took offense, and it was bad-mouthing me. He took the time to actually talk with somebody from Jason's Deli. What was it, an email? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get anybody at Jason's Deli in trouble. But uh, the first email said basically uh, that it's not okay. They're not saying that it's okay to get the free ice cream, but they can't police it. They can't watch over it. You know, no big – so there's nothing they can really do. People get free ice cream, and it's not a big deal to them. So I think that's a win. He says, oh, see, you're, you're wrong. She's basically saying – but she said it's not necessarily – her words were it's not necessarily – a big deal to them. So I went on Andy's email and replied to her and said, hey, um, here's here's what I want to ask specifically. If I go with a friend, they don't want their ice cream, or I'm just there with them, and we both grab an ice cream, y'all don't care. It's the same as ketchup packets, right? Don't take 100 ketchup packets. Don't take a gallon of ice cream. But if I grab one cone of ice cream, do you really care? She said, oh, the first email she thought that it was an angry customer writing that somebody got away with something or blah, blah, blah. She said, no. She said, "For basically, they can't stop it. They're not going to try to. And they would way rather anybody be happy with Jason's Deli rather than not. Busted. So my point is free ice cream. Free ice cream and, and, you know, now, at Jason's now, Deli. I wanna, yeah. You heard now it here. That was the thing, though. No, no come but, on now. It, that's like taking all of your buddies into Jason's Deli Hey, do you, I mean, imagine this. No. Hey, free ice cream at Jason's Deli. End of story. 
No, that's not end of story. That's party. what I'm saying. You don't get a gallon of free ice cream. I'm Here's saying I'm if, if a single person. My kids are going to have their birthday parties at Jason's Deli for now on, and it's just going to be an ice cream That party. would be terrible. No, just print <laughs> that out. That would be god awful. All you got to do is print out that email and take it when you go and show no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's what I'm saying. I support Jason's Deli. It is, I believe, I my favorite tell. deli. I can tell you. I love eating gut. there. You know, I love you there. love going no, with I, other people who eat there. <laughs> <laughs> I love going there and getting their potatoes. I love their sandwiches. I love their paninis. Everything. I love their salad bar. And honestly, I love their ice cream. It's like a cafeteria machine ice cream. So I'm supporting, always want to pay for things at Jason's Deli. All I'm saying is I went to Jason's Deli one time, and they said, hey, we don't have a key on the cash register that says ice cream. It's complimentary. We just give it away. So all I'm saying is I, I feel totally vindicated. You are vindicated. Just hungry for ice cream. All right, so the BC Club came out today. All right, so big – Big deal today. The BC Club and the M Word are out. So very good. Yep. Very good, everybody. Yep. So let's talk about the BC Club a little bit and the new contribute page there and what, what that what it means to be in the BC Club. I'll just say simply that Bad Christian has never been about me, Matt, and Toby. It's always been about rallying people together to talk, be open and uh you know to see change in how people live and uh, interact with each other this in my opinion gives a concreteness to other people's involvement which honestly is a joey that was disgusting keep going the bc club okay i was in the middle of what i was saying and why did you I fart so anyway, it gives a concreteness to, uh, and it's it's actually it's been requested over the past year. People are like, "Hey, how can we help? How can we be a part?" Really? What is and the some BC people, Club? Yeah, BC Club is basically a way for you to uh, be a part financially, and because we give away everything for free, well, as much as we possibly can for free, including the M word, which you need to download. Um, but this is a way for us to continually. It's a way f for you to help us continually give things away for free, and we get to give you things, too. That's what I'm excited about. Here's the thing I'm excited about, BC Club. <laughs> You're horrible I, right now. No, I'm not. I just don't want to make this so serious. It sounds like we're trying to sell people, and it sounds very boring. So I'd like to keep this in here, Matt. We don't want to sound boring. We like having fun. We like doing this podcast. We like trying to change Christian culture. We like coming to your living rooms. We like doing shows. Uh, we like putting out amazing music. If you like that stuff, too, help us. That's, yep. what, that's what this is about. It's not about us trying to sell you on anything. Did I try uh, to sell them on something? I'm curious. No, you just told yeah, them. It, 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 really, it really felt like you were just trying to do it for the money, just like, like you pitch. do a lot of things. Yeah, like how you, you, know, you, know like how you did. I was trying to do something for money? Yeah, just like you did. You dressed as a mechanic. You know, for for a commercial, <laughs> you always do things for, just money. for money, and Matt and I are just care about the people. Yeah, we care about the so people. So we're just we're just talking about the things that we like doing, and we hope that other people like doing them too. You care about making how much dollars? How yeah. many dollars do you want? Yeah, how many dollars do you actually want, Joey? That you'll be satisfied. Pastors with? care about numbers. Go ahead. How many dollars will be enough for you, Joey? <laughs> how much would be enough just for you, Joey? Just tell us the number. 
How much BC money club. till you don't need any more? <laughs> Joey, <laughs> Joey just held the phone up to his ear like he was going to take a call. He does not realize, people, this isn't video. <laughs> Joey. He held the phone up, and then he realized that he put his phone down, man. <laughs> he was trying to do a, yet another visual gag. <laughs> a visual gag. He constantly does visual gags on the podcast. <laughs> well, here's how the here's how the BC Club works. All it is is we make stuff, and we it costs us money, a lot of money, in fact, and time to do the stuff that we do. And so we want it to be free. And so in order for it to be free, if just some people that really like it pay what they think it's worth, then we'll be able to give it away to more people. So that's the idea. So no pressure on that, but we're just asking you guys to partner in with us. If you think our stuff's worth $0, then give us $0. That's fine. If you think it's worth a few dollars, that's awesome. That'd be great. But mainly, this is all about the M-Word book that came out today. It's real stories from women about masturbation, sex, addiction, and pornography. And that book is free, so go to badchristian.com. You can find that book, and then you'll see the BC Club and how that works, and you'll have the opportunity to get it for free or contribute a little bit along with us. Toby, you think people will join it? Uh, I can hope so. I, you think it's a stupid stupid idea to just to like get no, it away? No, I don't. I, I don't think this is something that you would support if you're like, ooh, I'm going to get something awesome. This isn't like, uh, oh, man, yay me. This is, hey, I believe in what these guys are doing, changing Christian culture, uh, being open and honest, being transparent, talking about things, being just dudes and people that I want to listen to. So if that's the case, yeah, I, I hope but that you would. But it's not tithe money? I mean, is it their tithe? No, 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 no. This is actually paying for, for products that we make, entertainment. And stuff like this, that. This, this, this is if not, this brings you enjoyment, yeah, we would love to all the time that we take. I don't, I don't think people realize like one podcast honestly takes three to four hours for us to do. I mean, and, and that's probably on the on the short side. I'm not even really yeah, including Matt. I'm not including editing. editing and stuff like that, and yeah. adding in stuff and going back and doing all this stuff. So I mean, we don't make any money. And honestly, there are times where. I go to my church job, my, my day job, and then I'll go work for eight hours to do a couple podcasts. I mean, it just takes a lot. And so I'm not poor-mouthing or, or wanting to complain. I love doing this, and we're going to continue to do it no matter what. But if you like this and want to support it so to help us to be able to do this, to make some improvements, to do some things, that's, that would be cool. Yeah, we're trying a little bit of a different model instead of charging for products and entertainment and stuff that we've done like the music industry is which has kind of failed in a lot of ways we're just kind of trying a new idea and that is to see if people would support the stuff they like to consume and just see what that does so it's kind of an experiment really but didn't radiohead do it with their album wasn't that a failure or was that a success i thought it didn't go that I way i think it was a success well i'm sure they got a ton of money but a lot less than they probably did for their other albums i would think uh no i think they got more because there were people that like they said pay what it pay what you want and people some people pay like a hundred or dollars for the album because they love you, Radiohead so much. And you two said we're not allowed we're not allowing you guys to pay us. Yeah, we're and just it, gonna get up all we're just in gonna your get iTunes, infl- and infiltrate <laughs> your your phone. Yeah. Hey, if you do support us though, we appreciate it, and so does Neil, the pizza guy. Yeah. Because he's definitely gonna get better tips. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to tip him. And even though he swears at us from the other side of the door saying, man, these effing pizzas and two liter bottles, uh, you know, weigh a lot and everything, we're going to give him a lot more money. So support Neil at the very least. Yes. 
Yeah, our sponsor, X3 Watch. Uh, we do X3 Watch because we personally think porn is not good for you, and we need accountability. Outside of accountability, Toby, Matt, and Joey will probably, or let me not say probably, we will look at porn, and uh, we don't want to. So this is a way that helps us not to. Basically, you download the software onto your computer. Toby and Matt, if I look at porn with the software on my computer, they're going to get an email that says, hey, Joey's screwing around again on the computer looking at porn. Those, those guys, if they're good accountability partners, they are going to email me, call me, ask me what's going on. So it's just like you're never alone. You don't get to get alone with your computer. Also, it blocks the, the pages themselves from coming up. So it has a screen that will just come up and say this has been blocked. And if it's, if it's a site that you wanted to go to anyway, you can go whitelist it. Your accountability partners will, in fact, get notification of that. So there's really no way around it. It's good software. We do, in fact, use it and have been for several months. So if you're interested, check out x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. And that's where you can download the software and get 50% off courtesy of me, Toby, and Joey. Let me ask you guys this. Would Jesus use X3 Watch? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to do something a little different on the interview here. and something we've discovered as we continue to improve our interview skills. Instead of having Toby come in and say, and we're back, we feel like that makes our guests get real uncomfortable. And then they feel like they're on the air and stuff like that. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back, and we're going to drop right in to a conversation uh, with Jake Lurs without any formalities. And we found so far that it's making our guests more comfortable and our interviews better. And so we'll be right back with Jake from August Burns Red. Matt, you know what I love? What do you love, Toby? I love that music is not dead. It's still thriving. It's still going. Emory's proof of that. I know. We're, we're out on, you know, That's tour. Right. We're on tour right now. And you know who else is out on tour? This band called Silent Planet. Silent Planet? Tell me more about them, Toby. Who are they? You haven't heard of Silent Planet, dude? No, I haven't. Tell me about them. I'm excited. Well, they're super damn awesome is what they are. <laughs> <laughs> they are a brand new band on Solid State Records, uh -huh. and they have a new album out. Really? What's their new album called? The Night God Slept. Okay, when's it out? That's what I would like to well, know. Well, that now. is a huge theological debate, does God sleep? But we'll move on past that because okay. the music But when does so it cool. come out? That's what I want to know is when does the record actually hit like stores? When is it possible to buy it? Well, you're going to be really excited about this today. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's great news. So I can get it right now? Well, where could I get it is what I want to know next. Well, you can go to solidstate.merchline.com. Oh, yeah, that's great. I'll go straight there and get it. Well, what if I wanted to see them on tour? Is it possible to see them? Because probably they're not touring, I They guess. happen to be on tour right now. Are you kidding me? No way. I'm not kidding you. Like, can we give it a listen? Yeah, let's just listen to it. We'll let the music speak for itself. So let's hear this track. It's from the new album called The Night God Slept. So y'all listen to it and decide for yourselves. We know we got a bunch of metalheads that like this podcast. If it's not your thing, skip on ahead. But we think you'll like this. Check it out. Underneath we set up the 
God slept. Check out that album in Solid State Records, their debut album. They're on tour right now. Support that band. Support this podcast. You guys are awesome. Pick up records that you love, and this will be one of them. Where are you right now, Jake? Uh, right now, I'm at my house in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and um, we just um, we're taking some time to write our next record. So we're just you know I'm kind of relaxing at home. Did you didn't grow up in Columbia? Did you? Yeah, I did. I um I grew up in Columbia. Probably moved there uh, when I was like maybe ten, something like that. Ten years old. And did uh, you uh, did you go to high school there too? Yeah, I went to Irmo Irmo High School. Greer High School played Irmo in football and stomped y'all's asses. <laughs> <laughs> did you play any sports or anything like that in high school? Oh no, man, no, no. I was I was that like weird drama kid that you know was was playing music and drama kid. <laughs> Yeah, they were, we were the worst, man. We everybody looked odd and you know it was weird and stuff. Yeah, I was one of those kids for a bit, but um, that's cool. So why did you pick drama? How'd you get into that? Because <laughs> I mean, I won't lie, dude. I, I was raised in a pretty dramatic um, home, so you know it was uh, it kind of just seemed like I fit there. Um, it was uh, I think my mom was really big into off off Broadway and um. You know, she was she was a drama kid, and my dad was also an actor. He um, he was an extra in Ninja Turtles three. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. He he was a bad guy, and you guys remember Swamp Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he was a bad guy in Swamp Thing, and then um, <laughs> do you know that my dad's six foot five? He's bald. He's got a huge beard. He looks scary as hell. Um, so they used him always like as like ba- a bad guy. Yeah. So like. You know, when I was growing up, I'd watch I'd watch my dad on TV constantly getting murdered in different ways, and so I think it might just <laughs> mess me up a little bit. But um, yeah, so uh, you know, I think that's kind of where I got it from—just the fact that there was a lot of, you know, acting and 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 drama in in, uh, in my in my blood, I guess. You know, were you scared of your dad when you were a kid too, like because he was so massive and tough looking? Did did he like instill fear, or he wasn't like that at all? Oh yeah, my dad was a yeah. I feared my father for sure. It, it, I mean, he didn't have to do anything, you know what I mean? He just, he, and because he was an actor, you know, it's like, if he wants to act angry, he can act angry, you know what I mean? Uh, So I think like, I think the whole time, like he would just put on an act and it would just scare the hell out of me. And I would, you know, like clean your room, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, like, um, you know, that was enough for me. He never, he was never one to, you know, pop me or anything, but, uh, you know, six foot five being four years old, you know, uh, six years old. Yeah, man, you, you know, you don't mess with that. Yeah, my dad was uh, so I was kind of the same way. I was always though the like the fat kid that was sad. So like it, it was really funny. I never cared about sports either until one day I promised I was walking down the hall 
And our, our coach, Stu- Stuart Holcomb, was our coach at the time. And he walked past me and he went, hey, you're, you're a big boy. You ever thought about playing football? <laughs> and I went, no, I went, no, no, I didn't. I was just chubby. But yeah. I remember my dad wasn't that big of a guy, but he, I promise, my dad was so intimidating. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, he's six feet tall and not, not a big guy. Like, he, he's, he's pretty fit. But I, I remember one time him telling me, he said, Toby, I used to take a lot of stuff. And he said, one day I just decided, I'm not going to take shit anymore. <laughs> and if somebody really he does mess with you, yeah, no, it, you? It, I, this was like when, almost when I was, a, I guess I was a teen, early teen, he said. And I realized, he said, no matter what, if somebody tries to put me down or do something, they're going to have to kill me to stop me. And he looked, I mean, he was not joking. <laughs> and, and then, like, I, and I mean, and I really believed it. And, like, and now he, like, has a, con- now he has a concealed weapons permit. <laughs> I mean, like, my dad, I, I do wonder, like, like, my dad, not huge in size, but, like, just so intimidating. And I, I, I don't, like, let's, he doesn't care if he dies. On. I really believe that. Like, my dad's not, my dad, no matter what, my dad is not a liar. He does not lie. He thinks it's, you know what I mean? Like if he says yeah. something, it is what he means. And I really yeah. do believe if you tried to fight my dad, you would have to kill him to stop. Well, here's the thing. If you meet, <laughs> if you meet, if you meet Mr. Tommy, he's kind of uh, a little goofy, he's really kind, yeah. really cool, fun to be around. So, I mean, it's just like. You I've seen him flip a switch, though. And it's yeah, like, it's I've never scary. seen that. I mean, my, No, I'll tell you. One time, I promise you, my dad looked me in the eye one time. He said, Toby, because. My, I could, I just knew how to push my dad's buttons, and I would just say <laughs> shit over and over and over, and just mess with him. And he would go, yeah. "Son, son." And then one time he said, "Son, one day I'm not going to be able to stop. <laughs> <laughs> one day I'm not going to be able to stop myself." He told me that, and I was like, "I said, what in the world does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean?" Jake, we've toured together several times, and you've been in August Burns Red since what? What time frame is that? Uh, 2006. Yeah, 2006, and that was after the very first record. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, is Thrill Seeker the first record? It's Thrill Seeker is not technically the first record. There was one before that. That was on a, a record label called CI Records. And it's probably the worst thing you'll ever hear in your life. But because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a bunch of young punk kids trying to, you know, write music that they can't write. So, but after that record, you know, then there was Thrill Seeker. And I wasn't in the band when um, when they recorded that. But literally, their singer, after one tour, just one tour, um, decided to quit and was just like, look, this is just not for me. You know, he he loved his girlfriend and they ended up getting married. And so everything worked out for the best. But um, when he quit after that month, you know, they're like, hey, look, we need a singer. So I emailed them and uh, I was living in South Carolina and I was like, just gave it a shot. They called me back two days later and said, you know, come try out. So I, I quit my jobs. I had two jobs at the time. I quit my jobs. I packed up my little Honda Civic hatchback, drove the 14-hour drive, got to PA. And then right when I got there, they're like, you know, I'm like, hey, can we go out to lunch? Like, maybe break the ice a little bit. And they're like, no, dude, like, um, we just want you to, you know, come in here, try these three songs. And, uh, you know, if we don't like you, we're just going to tell you to go back home. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess that's cool. You know what I mean? So um, that's how it kind of started out, you know. And, and And so I had to basically, for that entire year, you know, um, tour and act like I was Josh, their old, their old vocalist. You know what uh-huh. I mean? I was, yeah. I was signing stuff in his name. I was, you know, I was trying to, you know, scream like him a little bit just so that we didn't have this crazy, um, you know, situation. Um, 
kind of ease me into the band, you know, because once you change vocalists, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, that's a, yeah. that could definitely be a make or break for a lot of bands. So it is. And the other thing about that that's that I always say is whenever you change a band member, whenever see a band changes a member, that same member is also still the most likely to be replaced again. So if you start changing drummers, that you might change two or three drummers in a row before you ever change a bass player or a guitar player. So right. it's, it's easiest for that to not work out or the chemistry to be off. But it seems like that it sure was a home run finding you. Did they tell you right after your audition that you had the gig? No, no, they didn't. They were they were punks about it, man. It was tough. It was like, because this is what would happen. You know, like Matt would be like um, one tour. Matt would be like, you know, I really like Jake. I think he's a great guy. Like I know he's a little, you know, maybe he's a little oddball or a little little out of out of place with the rest of us, but he's, you know, he's solid. JB would be like, I don't like him. <laughs> and Matt would be like, really? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like him. And then the next tour, you know, they come back and like, all right, Jake, you know, we'll, we'll come get you next tour. We'll let you know in a couple of weeks or whatever. I'm like, cool, man, I'm going home. Um, you know, and then, and then they would talk and, and Matt would be like, JB would be like, you know, I'm really warming up to, to Jake, man. He's, he's actually, you know, really showing me a different side of him. I, I'm starting to like his character. And then he'd be like, so, you know, I'm, I'm on board, Matt. And I'd be like, I don't know if I like him anymore, man. I, I, I'm honest, I, If I can be honest. That went on for six months, dude. For six months. We <laughs> we ended up, yeah, man, tell me about it. We ended up um, uh, f- uh, touring with Between the Barrier to Me. And I had played with them and Norma Jean in, like, my local band in Columbia. So Tommy Rogers knew who I was. And, uh, you know, he's like, he told him, he was like, look, if you don't, like pick this dude up you guys are complete fools so uh you need to tell him after this tour and we ended up playing the cornerstone in 2006 and i did like a i did like a a guest appearance with project 86 on the main stage so i kind of thought like after that it's like well whether i'm technically in the band or not now i basically showed like all of cornerstone that i am your singer so i kind of got my way in that way i guess but i was like look i gotta go home I need to know if I'm if I'm in or not, and uh, they're like, yeah, for sure, you're you're definitely in. So that was it. Six months of not knowing and and leaving my entire family and everything That's that great. I knew. That's crazy because Matt and I still feel the same way about Toby, and it's been going on for <laughs> like 15 years. Hey, you know what's funny about that though is because when I when our drummer Seth left the band, I can remember Dave. We were like, okay, on this tour, we're gonna this this kid Dave. He was in uh, you know just a, like a a smaller band. Uh, uh, in Indianapolis, and, and we just and we knew he was a pretty good drummer, so we're like, okay, we need a drummer to fill in. And I remember uh, Dave came to practice with us, and I was writing a new song for the new record, and mm-hmm. I, I like I was playing it, and then Dave kind of just started playing really softly, and I just quit and walked out of the room, and I was like, man, screw this asshole, he thinks he's gonna come in here and start writing drum parts for us immediately. And I, I, I remember, I, I mean, I, and I told Dave that years later, he's like, I could tell, like I remember you leaving, and I thought. Oh no, I so messed up and everything. That was just Dave being uncomfortable, <laughs> you're really and you're and you're noodling, and then so Dave starts trying to play along with you on drums and yeah. around, and you're worried about he. You thought he was trying to get royalties on the next. Yeah, Emory exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh look at yeah, this dumbass thinks he's gonna write on the new Emory record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, drummer. Yeah, Indiana guy, you're gonna write on the new Emory record. So I, I, I totally understand. I think that's just the thing. I believe what that is is you just go, man. I've done all this stuff, and you don't want to ever give anything away too early. So uh-huh. it's not I, I, probably the guys. Honestly, they probably all did like you a lot, but they just didn't know how to. Do we do we hand this over to Jake? I mean, being the front guys is a big thing for sure. You know what I mean? It is. It is. And we got Dustin. You know, we got Dustin later. Um, yeah. And that took like one tour. 
you know, and it frustrated me a little bit, but I understood, right. you know, because, uh, you know, I'd be like, dude, you guys took me, you, you shared me along for six months. Like, that was, that was brutal for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, you know, and I had, I had buddies being like, yo, they're just using you until they find somebody else. Like, you should drop out. And I was like, no, man, like, I think, you know, I feel like God's really uh, put me in this spot, you know, and I, and I really want to just, I want to stay committed. Um, so, you know, but for, for, for uh, Dustin, it was like, yeah, it was a, it was one month, and and it's like, can he it. can he play the parts? All right, good enough. Cool, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's it, yeah, you're right. When when there's a front man, you know, generally speaking, he's the face of the band. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's the you know he's the one preaching. He's the one up on stage directing the crowd. You know, can he motivate people? Can he can he scream and you know entertain? You know, there's multiple masks, you know, uh, or jobs for for front men, I, I believe. I mean, I know that you know everybody's important, but you know, as far as the front man, there's there's a little more uh, weight as far as the social aspect. When's the first time that we toured together? I can't remember when that was. Do you? Dang, dude. I'm not mean to put um, you on the spot. I mean, I know we did a tour together with Under Oath and us. That Christmas tour was fun. I I, I don't remember the first time of us touring together. I do remember the Under Oath tour, and um, yeah, you know that was fun, man. I mean, that was a great tour, and I think that was. When was that? Like 2009, maybe? Yeah, yeah something that, like that. That was December 2009 because my daughter had just been born. I remember we had that. Oh, wow. That tour, yeah. So that was a crazy time where we just did that short tour and then we, I didn't really tour again for a while. But uh, yeah, that was that was actually one of the worst um, tours of my life, but it was one of the best. Why was like, it the worst? Well, it was the worst because um, our management, and, and they don't do this anymore because of this specific situation. Uh, you know, we're, I mean, we've always been a touring band. We've always been a band that's like, yo, we're just going to, you know, put our, put our heads down in the dirt and just go for it, you know? And, um, so we're just touring and touring and touring. We ended up doing a tour. I think it was a headliner, um, or, or a support tour in the U S and it was like, um, a, a markets. Okay. Then we went straight from that tour. We went straight over to Europe and um, was main support for Bring Me the Horizon, uh, I think, or Day to Remember, one of those bands, or maybe even all those bands, for six weeks in, in Europe. And then we came back, immediately went straight into the Under Oath tour. Um, and so one of the shows, I, I you know, our, our manager comes to, um, comes to the show or whatever, and I was like, hey, man, where are you parked? You know, I need to talk to you. He's like, yeah, right out here. I was like, cool. So I, we get in the car, and I'm like, hey, look. I said, don't ever do this to me again. I said, this is three tours straight, straight on, you know. And like, I'm beat, man. Like, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing left of me. And you know, it's like I get like at this point, like we were doing, you know. I mean, you know, here's a golden egg, man. So, but don't, yeah. don't, you know, don't break me, man. And he, he understood. I mean, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, so now because it was like now I get like you know four shows or five shows. I can do six shows tops and then maybe an off day would be nice. But at that point, and then, you know, at least give me like a week at home before between uh, tours, you know, so that I can just, you know, regroup, you know, or pay my bills. I mean, anything, man, like it was brutal. Um, and I think for the vocalists, especially like you don't want your vocalist to a be shot on stage uh, to be, you know, and, and, and as far as I know, like vocalists are pretty emotional, dramatic dudes anyways. So you don't want, you know, you don't want him losing his brains on, on tour uh and 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 hating life you know what i mean it's just uh it's not good for anybody so that was 
that was that tour for me. And, uh, you know, that was, that was brutal, but it was fun, you know? It was the same thing for me. Cause my daughter had been born in October and mm-hmm. we, that tour was in December and, and we were like, well, it's such a good tour. I mean, August burns red and under oath, we can't really turn it down. Right. And I didn't want to let I didn't want to let the guys down, but it was that same thing. Of Thank like, you man. for letting your family down instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, so <laughs> I, I'm really. <laughs> oh man, how look, many times hey. have we done that though? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. seriously, like love you, peace. Hey, well, luckily I'm no longer married to her, and I haven't seen <laughs> that kid forever. So. <laughs> Hey, Jake. I haven't Jake. seen that kid forever. You guys are ridiculous, man. Jake, as a like a fellow musician, uh, like when you hear Matt and Toby uh, talk about Emory and the balance of vocals and heaviness and stuff, how do you feel about Emory and how they fit into the scene? Like, because you guys are pretty much straight up heavy. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, I think Emory. Like I just told my buddy today, uh, he was in a band called Burns Out Bright. Yeah, and um, you know, he's toured with with a lot of a lot of those dudes that you guys have toured with. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm actually doing an interview with, the, with some of the dudes from the band Emory. And he's like, oh, dude, yeah, man. Uh, he's like, I love that band. And to be honest, I think, you know, you we what we have to look at as far as, um, you know, our places as musicians and artists is that we really have to understand that we're all in the same pool um, because we've all been affected by the same bands. We yeah. just decided to take our artistic feeling, emotion, and identities, you know, in different directions. So, you know, as far as, you know, uh, you know, listening to hardcore music, I mean, the way that it impacted you guys was a lot different than the way that it had impacted, you know, us. And we're, we're you know, we're a few years apart. Um, but, you know, everybody's got their place and their position. So um, I don't know if that necessarily answers the question or not. But, like, I think Emery as a whole is... is is a good band. And I think, you know, like I said, I think they have their place, um, in the, in the music, in the music scene. Um, now, now Matt, know, did Matt, did you ever want to just go straight up heavy at some point? Uh, I'm attracted to heavy music or was because, uh, I think it's in some ways it's like more artistic or respectable in a sense. Like it, it's like easier, the weirder and the heavier music you do, the less people can criticize it. So I don't necessarily think that's better, but I've always felt that way. Like if music is either weirder or more heavy or more complicated, then it's, it's harder to criticize. So I always like that aspect of it. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to say this. I think nowadays with the hardcore metal, whatever genre crap you want to call it, I think it's dry. I think the well is just drying up because all these bands just sound the same. And um, and to be honest with you, I just JB just sent me something of like one of these bands that are you know up and coming. And I listened to the to the intro, and I'm listening to his lyrics, man. And I'm just you know I don't even think there was a riff in the song. I think it was just all breakdowns. Like I don't think there was any riff at all it wasn't really music and it's just become absurd and 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 and, um you know something needs to change and i don't know what that's gonna be um but we're trying to kind of you know put a line in the sand here for a minute and say well what are we accepting here you know what i mean like everybody you know as far as music i mean music moves people it changes lives it can it can, you know, give people power where they didn't feel they had power or strength or whatever. 
so we all hold it close to our hearts and we all come together to listen to it together. And, you know, we've made friends and um, we stand there united and say, this is a band that we all love and we appreciate and we're all buying together. But then now, now you've, so you've got a family. Okay. And it, you know, uh, but now you've got these bands that are writing the most ridiculous, absurd, uh, you know, crappy, negative um, lyrics with no musicianship and only because they have a throat piece and, you know, can scream super low and throw an 808, you know, in the mix. Yep. <laughs> All of a sudden they're signed and they're huge. Like, like, hold on a second. What are we letting into our music scene? Like, are we artists or are we not? So, are you, we... so you have become jaded, Jake. <laughs> it's not jaded. It's that I'm. It's not that I'm jaded. It's that I want. What respect. every jaded person says. No, well, let, not me, let, let me tell you what I think. <laughs> let, let me tell you what I think you're experiencing there, Jake. And you you said it a minute ago that we were a few years separated as far as where we are. So I think with any genre, when you're a, like if you want to say leader of a genre, which you guys certainly are, and a lot of people would say we're, we're forerunners or frontrunners or something of the type of music that we did. It didn't exist a lot before we did it specifically Agreed. Agreed. in our genre. So what happens is, you know, when we started it, it didn't exist, or at least we weren't aware of it. It just was a natural thing that came together for us artistically. But then after two years of touring, after three years of touring, I started seeing people that were in the opening bands for us and the new bands, and they were doing stuff that – I know they were copying even from me or for Toby or they they have a certain dress or play a certain guitar and the music similarly. And so then you have these bands. Anytime you see a local band and it's got uh, a, a lead singer and another guy screaming and they have a keyboard and it's heavy and singy and screamy, well, it's hard for me to respect that, especially when the music's bad because it almost always is. But it's hard for me to respect that because I think they got it from us and Under Oath Mm. That's where they got it from, and, and no right. no offense to them, but if you're going to take from Emory and Under Oath, you should take from a bunch of bands and then create some a new something new. So yeah. it circles back in on itself, and and what you're starting to see now is bands that because somebody would say that about August Burns Red, it's like man, they were they like do breakdowns all the time. That's so awesome, and it that is kind of what I would say. Uh, is what you guys did and do and do better than anybody is make all the parts of a song awesome and heavy so now you have people who set out just to copy that and it makes you sick when you see it because now <laughs> now it's like recycled and done a worse version of what you came up with artistically but they're just trying to do what you did and that makes you feel icky it makes you embarrassed of your own art form and you want to draw a line and say no you're not allowed in our genre you know kind of thing yeah yeah i'm a i'm definitely when it comes to this i i mean yeah i'm i'm a, I'm a little selfish I'm a little uh, territorial, I guess. I mean, I just listen to, you know, some of the stuff like one dude's like t calling people faggots in his music and, you know, suck my dick and your, 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 your girlfriend. And I'm getting real vulgar, so sorry. But this is, this is the reality of my, where my anger and yeah. frustration is coming from. Uh, you know, your girlfriend knows what my dick tastes like. Now, I'm sorry, but like, why are we, why are we, why is everybody cool with this? Like, what, what, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to wear this shirt that says, pull the trigger, bitch. Like, and I love, no offense to Suicide Science, I love those dudes. Like, those guys are fun guys to be around, and I respect them, and I respect them as musicians. But I don't respect that, um, that, uh, that message. So do you think and positivity, I, not, so do you I'm, think positivity is a, a inherent quality that all music need, should have, or just in your genre, you think it should be? 
No, I get it. I get it. If you want to be negative, I get it. Okay. Like you're, you should, I mean, this is your platform, buddy. You know, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, and, and it, for me to say it only has to be positive would, would, um, would be taking away from the artistic abilities that other people have. You know what I mean? It's like, so I'm not going to say that, but what I'm going to say is do, do it, do it with a little class or a little taste, you know, like, uh, you don't have to go so overboard where, you know, you're screaming, literally you're screaming the word faggot and you think that that's cool. Like, I, I I'm sorry, but that's not acceptable. Like, well, if, if you have a, if you're on a label and you have a microphone, you're in front of a crowd, you're kind of defining what's acceptable. I mean, the kid, because it's kids watching and they're the ones saying, Oh, I guess this is cool. And they kick ass and this music's awesome. And, yeah, if I were in your shoes, which I'm not, I think it I think it would be frustrating for sure. Cause I don't even think that's the opposite of positive. That's just stupid. It's kind of like really degrading, you know, music and, and what you're setting out to do. You said earlier you kind of just mentioned how you um being the new guy, you were kind of the new preacher, you know. Do you do you feel like someone in your shoes has like a responsibility to preach on stage? Hey, and real quickly before you answer that question, Joey's stomach, his belly is actually hanging out. Go ahead, Jake. That's, that's not true. <laughs> it is hanging out. I'm, I promise to the Lord in heaven, your belly is hanging out. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Yeah. Answer that question. <laughs> yeah, we've had this discussion with the band multiple times, and you know, everyone asks, "Well, are you a Christian band?" And everybody gets thrown off by this, you know, this question, or you know, everybody wants to talk about it, whatever. Um, no, we're not, we're not a, we're not a Christian band because in my eyes, in my opinion, okay. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I was saved when I was 21 years old and, um, and, uh, and I love Jesus, but that, that doesn't mean that because all of us are Christians, we're now a Christian band. A Christian band to me is a ministry for Christ. I think that it, the sole purpose of that band is to get on stage and to preach the gospel. And we're not we're not uh, a ministry band we're not at all um we the, the the only way that we do ministry is through our lyrics um and through our posit- our positivity um you know and there's definitely scripture that's been layered and sprinkled um throughout our albums uh you know but as far as you know making it a ministry uh you know for Jesus i mean i told the band i said look i need to know this you know, for my personal, for me, because I was going in a direction where I wanted to preach the gospel on stage. Um, I had that desire to say whenever I felt led to, not like, um, you know, um, every night, but, you know, so where is this, you know, what do we do? Where's the line here? And, um, and I I wanted to make sure that I knew that. And so, yeah, we're not, we're not a ministry band. We're just, um, but you, you, you wish you wanted to be at some point. And then as a band, you decided not to. Well, yeah, I think as a band, we were like, look, we don't want to jump into that. Like, we, we're we followers of Christ, but that wasn't our true intention with this music. We want to write music because we love music. We want to promote Jesus through our music, but we don't want to carry it to the degree of now, instead of playing seven songs or eight songs, we're playing four and a half because, well, Jake's going to talk about the gospel for 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, um, that that was not... That's not us. And, you know, I think, to be honest with you, I think there's a place and a, uh, and a position for every, every person. I think that God can use us in so many different ways. You know, I mean, um, Maddie Montgomery, w- one of my good friends, okay? 
Uh, we see things differently. That's all right. I respect them. Uh, and I, we had a conversation once. I said, hey, man, I said, why do you um, why do you preach on stage? And he goes, well, I preach on stage because I saw Asley dying back in the day. And they were a Christian band, and I loved Asley dying. But they didn't talk about Jesus. And I was like, why didn't they talk on stage about Jesus if they were a Christian band? And he didn't like that. So he went and started a band, and now he's in a metal band talking on stage about Jesus. Okay? He said, well, I got a question for you, Jake. I said, why don't you like, why don't you ever talk about Jesus on stage? You know, rare, you rarely. But why don't you do it all the time? I said, well, funny you ask. I played a show with Norma Jean, Under Oath, and Between the Barrier and Me. And Under Oath got up on stage and said, well, you should love Jesus because Jesus loves you, right? I, th- I think I'm pretty sure it was Under Oath. It was either Under Oath or Haste Day, one of one of the, one of those bands. And and at that time I wasn't, I didn't follow Christ. And I was like, well, why the hell should I follow? Je- who's Jesus? And why should I love him because he loves me? And why does he love me? He doesn't even know me. I don't even know him. You know, and I got offended, and I left, and I was, I, I got angry and frustrated, and I felt like somebody was pushing their religion down my throat. And even just by mentioning something good. that, even mentioning something that slight, you felt that way. Yeah, because it's like you should do this because, and it's like, hold on, dude, you don't know me, so why are you talking to me like you do? Like right. I, and you know, I mean, I'm a young, I'm a young dude who was raised in a divorced family, you know, had a lot of problems growing up, um, so. You know, I, and I, I, you know, I had I had a lot of issues. So it's like, you know, don't tell me what to do, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, a, you know what I mean? Like, I'm ready to fight you, dude. Um, yeah. So that's why I don't do that. But, but I can, but I can, I can preach the gospel through my my lyrics. I can preach the gospel. You know, when I go to the merch table, I can pray for kids. You know, I pray for kids. I talk to kids at the merch table. I've got a a nonprofit that I that I started four years ago because I felt like the Lord was telling me. Um, you know, and those are the ways that I can, you know, that I can serve and love and, and encourage and, 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 and preach and all that stuff. I don't necessarily think that everybody just because, you know, you know, you look at the Bible, it's like preach, preach the, you know, preach the gospel to all nations. Right. OK, cool, man. You know that 90 percent of our communication is through our body language, you know. So it's like just take that for an example and, and think, hey, you know, because not everybody gets a microphone and a stage. Not everybody is good. You know, talking, not everybody, but there are ways that, that God can encourage us or direct us or just to tap into us and say, look, hey, you know, like this is a way that you can love this person today. And that actually falls in line with with what my son Christ did. Something that bothers me about the preaching from stage thing is that, man, there are kids that really just are really into your music and are paying to come see you play your music. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing as if you take that opportunity to force something and tell them, it's the same thing as if I, you know, I, I hire a guy to come fix my air conditioning and all he wants to do is talk about Jesus and my kids are burning up and I need the air <laughs> turned on. You, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I want to pay you, I want to pay you money to do this thing. And this is hard earned money that I work for or saved or whatever. And so I think there's a little bit, honestly, a little disrespect can be there of, Hey, no matter what I have an agenda, I'm going to take whatever I want to do mm-hmm. this, even though mm-hmm. you've paid, you, you know, you've supported my band, you've done all this stuff, I, you know, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And I just 
think we're all here, honestly, these bands are here because of fans, and I think it's a little bit of disrespect there just to go, hey, no matter, because, I, I mean, it's the same thing as if somebody s- stood up on stage and talked about being a vegetarian or uh, a political cause or something for 15 minutes, you're like, man, okay, I appreciate it, but, man, I, I really want to hear that song that, that got me through a tough time. You know, that, right, that's right, ju- yeah. and that's just as powerful. You're stealing that from the from the fan because, that that like you said, there's a bunch of ways to, to reveal the gospel or whatever your faith is or whatever you want to, you know, whatever your right. whatever your agenda is, there's tons of ways to to present that. So why would it only be, hey, let me get him here in front of you and tell you what I know, so you right. believe the same way as me? Right. Well, that's funny because it kind of made me think of something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I don't know if you've you've seen me. We haven't seen each other in a long time, but I've got you know hand tattoos, full sleeves, knuckle tattoos, and my um my wife's family owns. Uh, in Connecticut owns this, uh, this like sandwich restaurant called the mustard seed. So sometimes I'll go there and just, I mean, the, the, her family's working, I mean, on real hours all the time. So I'm like, you know, I'll go in there to work or, you know, spend time with them. So I'm busting these or I'm, uh, waiting some tables. And, <laughs> uh, and so I'm waiting this one table outside. There's two tables outside. I'm, I'm waiting one over here, um, in the far, in the far corner and this lady's like, oh, what do your tattoos mean? And I was like, oh, well, you know, your life forgiven. Well, what is that? Oh, well, you know, I was saved, um, and I believe that God uh, has forgiven me for, for the things that I've done in, in my life, but that it's, you know, it's a relationship or whatever. She's like, oh, really? So then what do you think happens when you when you die? And I was like, I believe I go to heaven. She's like, oh, well, why is that? I was like, well, ma'am, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I believe that Jesus saved me from my sins, and and then I get to, you know, end up going to heaven with uh, with my maker when I when I pass. She goes, she goes, Oh well, that's nice. Well, we're we're reborn again Christians too. So nice to meet you. I was like, nice to meet me. You just drill me about your theology. Like, nice to meet me. Like, yeah. questioning questioning the shit out of me. And then, like, it so wouldn't then, have been nice to meet you otherwise. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I'm glad that that tattooed man is is you know has found Jesus. It's. Uh, I was like, dude, that's not how you talk to people. That's so just not okay that you're drilling me about my faith. I mean, granted, I've got the tattoos. I get it. Like people are curious, but, but then, but then this is, and this is the other part of the, this story. And then I go to the other, the other uh, table, right. And these ladies, I was, I mean, I've been a great server to these two ladies. They, they left and they left me a track, uh, a track with, with, with $6 tip in it. So then, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this thing and it's the cheesiest thing. It's, it's, and it started to infuriate me, you know, because here I am. And because you judged me based off of my tattoos, not, not because of my personality or character, because I was, you know, I take that job serious when I go do it. And I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm on my game, man. And I, and I'm very, you know, loving and caring about your food and all the rest of the crap. So based off of your judging me on my tattoos, you thought in in your in your mind you thought that it would be helpful okay and a way for the holy spirit to um impact me in, a, in an intimate way that i would start to follow god the creator accept jesus christ into my heart and um start to build a foundation with the holy spirit through a three-page little um track that's how you want to preach the gospel to me when you think i need jesus not that you have no clue that I know Jesus. Because if you were talking to the Holy Spirit at that point, the Holy Spirit would have told you, hey, you know what? I actually know that guy really well, so don't even bother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what'd you do to him? I punched him yeah. in the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, 
I think I think it's I think for me, you know, because when you're saying like, hey man, maybe this isn't the place or this isn't the time. I think what's going on and, and it's fine if, if you do it, you know, like Maddie Montgomery, I love that dude. And if that's what you if that's what you're doing, then that's what you're doing, and I'm gonna love and support you, whether I think it may be completely right or wrong. You know what I mean? Um and that's what, you know, I think love is. But um, you know, when you when you hand me a track and you actually think that you're preaching the gospel or you're doing something good, just by basing off of judgment from other people it's like it doesn't make sense to me you know what i mean and and if you yeah. if you think that christ in my life having christ in my life is so important that it means going to hell or heaven that it means my soul don't you think that you would talk to me rather than hand me a piece of paper that you got from a uh you know mass distributor that you know what i mean yeah i hear you <laughs> I'm angry, guys. I'm angry. Somebody, we lit you up, man. We know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the maddest anyone's ever been on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, Go ahead. On, honestly, we, we, we agree with you probably on everything you said, man. And I appreciate that passion, honestly. I feel like sometimes... I feel like I say those same things, and I feel like I, I'm insane or something because because the things what we're talking about is just that norm or that just people would accept something. And, and that, that even goes back to our stance on music and just the idea of a copy of a copy of a copy. It, of mm-hmm. course, that's going to be shitty. You know what I mean? Like, it's not if, you, if you're not really owning something, like if you go, hey, whether it be your faith or whether it be you starting a band or whatever, if you go, I'm going to own this, this is an extension of me, and, and God gave me this, or I, or at the very least, I'm me. And I'm going to create something that's me. Then, then it really does just become a copy, and it becomes this really filtered. I mean, a watered down thing that just it 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 just doesn't mean anything anymore. And that, I think that's where we all get to. And then then it's really frustrating because you're right. Christianity, the crux of everything, the the of all creation of eternity, comes down to hey man, I got to hand you this piece of paper, and 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 then you know literally, literally uh, three hundred words. I'm going to get you. For all of eternity, that just doesn't make any sense. It would have to be way more than that, right? I mean, th- those things are just really silly, and that does lead us into uh, you. And, and here's how I'd like to, a twofold question: of tell us a little bit about heart support, and then why did you decide to be a part of heart support, start heart support instead of just uh, be a preacher? You know what I mean? Like you could, yeah. you know, w- with your with your popularity and fame, I mean, you easily could start a church and people would come. So yeah, why what is heart it about- support, not a church? What's the difference? Right, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I started Heart Support four years ago, and basically I was um, in Chicago, and I just I was sitting outside, just praying, talking to God, and I was like, "Look, you know, I'm just really thankful for everything that you've given me. Like, this is just amazing, unreal. Like, I never thought my life would be so um, intriguing and, and exciting, and just like." I mean, God literally just blessed me in excess, you know? Um, so and I'm like, so what can I do? You know, because I, I talk to these kids, you know, um, at the merch table and, you know, I try to encourage them in, in that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying lyrically and with my voice and, and, you know, all this, and I'm trying to love these kids. Um, but like, what else can I do? Like, I want to give more of this position to you, God. So how, how, do, what does that look like? You know? And literally, my mind just started flowing with, like, this online community where you can talk openly or anonymously, if you want, about your struggles. You know, it's like, because um, that's what, you know, that's that's kind of what I've 
you know, I've been through a lot. And, and I think God was like, Hey, you know, I want you to, um, because you can't go home with these kids or you can't, you know, you're not in their neighborhood or you're not in their city and you leave, um, leave them, you know, and then they go home to their same situation. Um, start this online community and let these kids, um, really see who you are and be honest and open with them and, um, and build a place where they feel safe and they feel that they're not being judged and that you can encourage them and love them and, and, you know, influence them to, you know, face, face whatever struggle they've got and, and be able to overcome that. And through this action, Jake, I feel like you are going to show, um, you know, basically show my love. And, um, and that's how, um, these kids are going to be asking you, well, why are you doing this? Or, you know, you've given me so much time, like, and a lot of, a lot of times my responses, you know, are based off of my faith. I mean, uh, I have a, a, a relationship with, with God that it's not that I'm trying to push anything on you. It's like, if you want to ask me how or why, or, you know, when a lot of times my response is going to have something to do with, you know, God, because he's, I I'm, I'm with God every day. So it's like, we're, we're, we're doing this together. So it's, it's like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have much that's not going to have, you know, my faith uh, written in it. So anyways, that, that, that's, that's how I thought, you know, would be a way that I could love the, the scene, give back to these kids that, you know, buy my tickets and albums and merch, um, you know, give back to them, but also a way to, you know, um, love these kids like, like I feel God wants me to and, uh, lead them to the gospel and in, in that way, you know, is that any of that an indictment on that, that, that their local churches and communities aren't doing that already? That sounds like a baited question. Yeah. Okay. So this, the reason why I went is because <laughs> it's because of what I was about to say to you, not because of how you said, um, the question, um, I have always had a problem. I've always had beef with the church. Um, I wasn't raised a Christian and in times where I wanted to find Jesus and I wanted to know, you know, what, what, what is this all about? I would go into churches, man. I felt so judged. I felt like, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I love, I love churches. Okay. I, you know, I, I know what the biblical church is. Um, I just think that we're doing it a little wrong, but, but when I'd walk in there, you know, you have this guy who's saying hello to everybody who looks like he's on crack, like legitimately just eyes are bulging, smiles huge. And I, I can't tell if he's an actual human being or robot when he's introducing himself to me. And he kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, the, sit- like the Black Hole Sun video. Soundgarden. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I mean, just this, but, but, but it's, it's an actual guy. Like this is a stereotype because I've yeah. seen it multiple times. It's not just one dude in, you know, down the street at this one church. It's like, they seem to be like a thing. Um, so then I sit down. Okay. And then I stand up, I sit back down, I stand back up and I'm, 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 you know, and then the, the pastor goes, now turn to your right and, and introduce yourself and talk to your neighbor. Well, hold on a second. Like, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Maybe I just came <laughs> in here the first time. I don't want to be shaking hands with this dude who looks like he's on crack. Cause I ended up sitting next to him. Um, and I just want to meet God. Like, I just want to, I just want to kind of talk to God, you know, like I want to see what's going on. And then you've got like, I feel like I've seen a lot of times, uh, the youth groups are doing this really crazy thing. Like one time I went to this church and they were having the kids spit in cups. They were, they were having kids. This is the God test. <laughs> they were having kids. This is the God test. Oh my gosh. Oh, praise God. They're having, 
kids running like in a line one kid would run down grab a lemon out of the out of this like little bowl of lemons with his mouth and then run back and then spit it out like squish it up in his mouth and then spit it out um into this cup right and then whoever and then at the end of the line after the fifth kid did it and got it in the last kid had to drink it oh Oh, oh my god. Sounds like an Ozzy Osbourne concert. No. <laughs> no, wait a second, right? Like Yeah. Like like that's just disgusting, man. Like where do you like is the youth pastor going home being like how can I like really get these kids? You know like is he for them or is he against them? Cuz no nobody who's for me would ever tell me, "Hey man, you got to you got to take a shot of five different people spit with lemons. Uh, have <laughs> at it." You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a friend for me. Um, anyway, so like, and then like the youth pastors, like they're super fake. They seem fake, you know. Some of them do. I'm not saying all of them. I have I have youth pastor friends that I love dearly that don't do this, but I've seen it. You know, where it's like, um, it, all the kids look like they're that Disneyland jumping around, like, um, and it's just really kind of cheesy. And 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 my problem is is that I get it, dude. If you want to jump enjoy for for jesus i get it and i'm not gonna judge that relationship or you personally i'm just saying what i'm seeing i look in my heart and i go oh god oh god oh god we have a problem because if these are the soldiers for christ um when they step out of this little comfort zone known as their church and they walk down the street and real life slaps them in the face they're not gonna know what to do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it starts at a young age. I mean, look at pornography, look at look at drugs, look at, you know, in my school, in middle school, you had a wristband, a certain color wristband to show how far you'd go with somebody, you know, sexually. Uh, you got gang Yeah. That. Yeah, you got gangbangers. Who do you think they're going for? They're going for these kids who are lonely, who don't have families and they go, "Hey, we'll, you know, you be our family." You know, like uh or we'll be your family, excuse me. And, you know, so let's let's get real if we're going to get real about a real relationship with Jesus and let's start to look at what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to impact the world or are we just going to stay here in our little cozy area? But so heart support isn't intended to compete with church or replace it though. Right? No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's, it's, you know, and I've, I've felt led to be a pastor. I think there's a lot of, authority uh or responsibility there and there's a lot of authority and quite frankly it's a very very um high position and and i don't feel that i am equipped at this point to do that but i would love to be i would love to have my own church and i guess right now um you know i'm learning a lot about you know being in a position of authority because of heart support you know spiritually and stuff. Yeah. but i i think with all the stuff that i've said about church okay it's like I'm not. The, I, I want to change that. You know, it's not that I just want to complain about it. It's right. not that I want to, you know, sit here and point the finger because look, you've got to also realize, you know, we're going into a church. Guess what that is? That's a bunch of used. That's a bunch of messed up, broken, you know, jacked up people that are making, you know, tons of mistakes and 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 messing up. And so, like, who are you to judge, Jake? Like, who are you to tell me that this youth pastor can't, you know? Um, get his kids to jump like they're at Disneyland. You know what I mean? Uh, so I have to be very careful when I say these things because, um, you know, I, I don't want it to come off as though I don't love or appreciate the church. I just think that I'm going to change it a little bit and I'm going to yeah. do what I think 
the church should look like. Well, and that's that's well, pretty clear. I think that's really <laughs> exciting too, and I like asking these questions because they're similar ones to that we ask ourselves. So, how about this one? If heart support was going to be infinitely successful, what what would it turn into? What would happen? Oh my gosh, dude! Oh, we would we would have. Um, I've been wanting to do this forever, but like you know, tours where we have some of our guys come out there and maybe um, talk about the community, you know, between set changes, just like real quick, or like one of the bands could talk about it, like you know, check this out. We're gonna all the band guys, you know, after the show, you know, some of us are gonna be over the table, talk and hang out. We want to tell you what you know, heart support is about. You know what I mean? Um, I would like to have little groups of. Well, like, ten, how about 10 years from now if you had millions of dollars? Yeah. I mean, that's um, – we, we would want to get counseling for all these kids, ultimately. Have have um, counselors in each area that are willing to, you know, um, work with these kids one-on-one and um, help them really get through their stuff. Like, you know, let's I – want, I want the community to be on the ground, um, and we're starting to already try to do to do that, but – yeah, in 10 years, I would want this thing to be, you know, on a much bigger scale where people could go somewhere locally around them and there would be like a heart support community of people and, you know, with the option of counseling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big a big deal is having it be less of a top down and more of a widespread on the ground. I think that's a good way to put it. I think we have similar uh, desire in that sense. I, I think that even biblical counseling is a great thing and something that all three of us have done and received. And I also think it's you don't need to have a degree or work for a church to do it. I'm positive right. you don't. So there's a lot of more people that have a lot of gifts in that area. In fact, I'd say everybody has that gift in some capacity every christian i think that has the holy spirit is empowered and able to counsel and help people but we believe it's vocational people's vocational ministry people's job to do and therefore we don't do it and i think that's a big problem so i think well, everybody's scared and, and, cool. and that's what i think yeah. that that is the weakness in the church and i joey and i work at a church work at a mega church which is a great church. I mean, I, I, it would take forever for me to say all the amazing things that happen. And so I'm not talking about a specific church in general, but the idea right now, and it's been for a very long time since, and especially my entire life, all I've ever thought about church was a building. And it's just, mm-hmm. it, I really feel like it's changing to where you go, wait, that's just a building. The only time it actually is a church is when people are there. And that idea, even just taking it down to simple ideas like counseling, that idea really should happen in community. I think you're right, man. I think everybody has – it is it is a shame that there are people out there that goes, well, I can't help anybody, you know, because I don't have the gift of preaching or teaching or whatever. Like everybody has a gift of uh, ears how almost. About, you know how about I don't get paid or, to do it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah, else like does. I, and that yeah, idea I mean, of just ownership, you know, just ownership right. of, hey, man, I, I'm going to own this, and it, my faith is going to be lived out and real rather than just it just it's an action I do on the, on a Sunday. You know right. that, that that that's what it's just too easy. Well, that's exactly it goes back the to the track. It's, it's just like a track. That's it's what I was going to say. It's the exact same as the track. It's the method that I do the thing that it is. It's not I listen to the Holy Spirit and do what I'm gonna, needs to be done at any time, and I have infinite capability and support. Therefore, it's just right. well, this is the thing that I do. Give the track. This is the thing that that guy does. Preach. This is the thing that that guy does. Counsel, and there and it's checked off the checklist. So Jake. So basically, uh, you got us fired up, but we we like what you're doing at Heart Support for no reason other than you're doing something other than what's already being done. And because we see that in in general, everybody's doing the same thing and just competing 
at doing right. the same thing that everybody's already done and doing it more and more and trying to do it better or new or whatever. You're doing something a little bit or potentially a lot different. That's why I asked about the future of heart support and where you're going. And I think right. it's I think it's really good that you are trying to do something that is at least innovative and for the same reasons that people do things like churches or have other websites. And I think it's really good that yours is positive as it is. I think that that's a need. So I guess we're d- different sides of the coin. You tell everybody be encouraged, do good, you can make it, and we tell everybody you're shitty. But that's our you're job. Full, you're, you're, you're full of shit. You're a piece that's of shit. Job. You are that's shit. Why we, that's why we do so well together. Um, listen, you know, just for an example, because you, you're asking about, you know, the future of hard support, like, and, you know, the big picture, I mean, I could, honestly, I could give you another hour of it, but I won't. But, um, you know, what's going on right now, like, for example, there's this girl who was sex trafficked, from the age of, I think, 8 to 14 or 16. I can't even take it, man. I cannot. Oh, my gosh. Makes you feel sick. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So um, she ends up stumbling upon heart support, not even because of ABR or because of, you know, someone telling her about it. She just found it on on the Internet, like just stumbled upon it. Um, and she's a, you know, she was a cutter. She was cutting a lot. She was suicidal, depressed. So she... She came to us, you know, and we're praying for her. We're, we're you know, emailing back and forth, getting on the phone, you know, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Just trying to keep, keep, you know, in touch with her and, and encourage her and stuff. And then, you know, <clears throat> um, she had just found a church and, uh, you know, her youth pastor, uh, we kind of was were able to reach out to him. And we kind of just told him, you know, blunt, like, yo, this is what's going on in this girl's life. And we need we need your help, you know, um, because we can't we can't touch her. We can't get to her. We're, you know, calling and emails and prayer. But we need to now we need to help her take action now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, she kind of got mad at us for for spilling the beans um, to him. However, a year later, we, we meet back up with her, you know, and, and she now is adopted by her youth pastor and his wife. She's in college going for to be a counselor and she wants to go on mission trips and build orphanages for um for kids in Africa. But this is just an example, okay? And there there's plenty more that I could give you. And this is yeah, granted this is a much heavier one, but <clears throat> this is an example of what heart support's doing. And and the fact that we're taking this girl, okay, who decided to take the first step, which was to, you know, talk to us, and we're able to encourage her to change the course of her life, you know, um, like this. I mean, like that's, that to me is awesome. I think that's amazing. I think that that's what, what we're supposed to be doing, you know? And, um, and so that's why, that's why we're here ultimately is, is for stories like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you totally. guys are able to be the gap between her and, and online to actual another person. And then, you know, you're not trying to make everything exist only in the digital realm. You're trying to use technology, the internet, everything together to keep people going right. and connected with other people and moving forward. I think it's awesome. Right. Right. Well, we talked about a lot of serious stuff, man. So I did want to ask you one last serious question. Where did August Burns Red get their name? <laughs> oh gosh, man! Come on, you don't want to you don't want to waste your interview. No, on something of course like that. not. No, I I just nope. like asking. I yeah, like good. asking the worst. What's those worst questions you get? Like, are you a Brad Pitt guy or Ryan Reynolds guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, it's so bad, man. Like, oh I, that's man, why I was I was so excited to because you know I was telling my buddy like a couple kids were like, hey, you need to, you know, they were they were tweeting me saying you need to go to Bad Christian and and talk to those dudes. 
because you love them, you know. And um, I was like, yeah, I mean, I know those guys, but I've never really, you know. So I, I looked at some of your uh, podcasts with, you know, my buddy Craig Gross, who I love. And, yeah, yeah, he's um, awesome. We love Craig. My buddy Mike Hranica, uh, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And so I told my buddy, I was like, look, you know, can you get a, a hold of these guys for me? Because I would love to be on the show and, uh, you know, be on the podcast. And and I would love to, you know, down the road if we if we if we want to do it again, I would love I would love to do that. But um. You know, I think I think what you guys are doing is important because uh, it doesn't seem like there's really there's there's always these um, you know pedestals for all of these different church organizations and pastors and celebrity pastors and you know there's all these the- theology books. I mean, I study I've studied I study theology, you know, and I know that this is going to be a big hit for you guys. But I'm 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 you know big into you know Tim Keller. I don't know if you know him or if yeah, you're a fan. I of love him. Tim Keller. Yeah, um, I love Francis Chan. I love Francis Chan. Yeah. I'm a fan of, uh, fan of uh, Matt Chandler. Um, yep. You know, but you guys are, are are you have a pedestal for for Christians to really just open up and be honest and and you know and raw and that's you know literally what Heart Support was kind of a you know raw honest community is what you guys are doing on a different you know in a, in a different way where it's like okay yeah we're not over here talking to these kids about their struggles we're actually talking about you know, the Christian struggle, you know, the, the, yeah. the struggle for Christians and, and being honest and open with each other. And let's not, you know, let's not be fake here and let's not just try to, you know, imitate these celebrity pastors, but let's take what they're telling us, bring it to the ground. And what does that look like? And let's discuss it and be real about it, you know, and that's what you guys are doing. That's why I love you guys so much. Well, thank you, well, Jake. Thank- We've enjoyed yeah. having you yeah, on the show thanks, today. Man. Thank you for laughing so much with us. We enjoyed yeah. this is the best kind when you have somebody that you know a little bit and have some common ground with and can just talk instead of interview you about your whole life. So this was this was a great interview. I think everybody's going to love it. Thanks for being on the show. Go out yeah, and buy man. all the August Burns Red albums. Yeah, check out hot, heartsupport.com. Yeah, for sure, man. Just thanks for – this is what we love, just having a conversation. We're not saying, oh, we have it all figured out. We're just trying right. to figure it out, and, and that's what's awesome. So Thank you, Jake. Right. Take care, guys. Well, that was a nice guy. You guys have known him for a while now. Eh? Yeah, he was a nice guy. <laughs> what a nice – sweet what dude. What does that even mean? <laughs> he oh, was dude, dude was so nice. Hey, Matt, Toby let me listen to some of the Raw Emery stuff, and I really like it a lot. It's crazy because it's not, you know, Toby was just like, it's real raw. It's it's going to be, you know, produced more and stuff. But it reminds me of some of the old school hardcore that I listened to like 15 years ago. Like his vocals reminds me of a band called Brothers Keeper. But uh, super, super just reminds me of really raw kick-ass yeah raw is definitely would, aggressive like, and, and raw i love the way that the recording's turning out because it's it's completely i wouldn't say it's unproduced but it's raw i mean it's the real tracks and there's not, there's not a layer layers and doubles and stuff like that and I, I'm, I'm real thrilled about it. i actually think it's my favorite guitar work that i've done on it i think you can hear every bit of it because there's just two guitar tracks and almost nothing else going on so you can kind of hear everything and I think that's probably what you're responding to there, buddy. So thank you for the compliment. Yeah, what is uh what's your anticipation? I'm gonna ask you this, Matt, as far as this being the first bad Christian release. Are you kind of worried? Like after you release this, you're like, Man, we should have stuck it out with tooth and nail. No way. This is no, of course. Or. This is gonna be first of all, I think no disrespect to them, I think we could sell just as many copies as we would if we were on tooth and nail, and I really believe that. And secondly, we get to earn the money on it instead of the 
label owning it and getting the money for it. Because on the records that we sell, we get a little advance if you're with a label, and then you don't get the money. That's it. You get your advance. Well, speaking of advances, we did get an advance because a lot of people have supported You Were Never Alone. That's our new record. Uh, we are working on the record. Uh, I don't know who it was. I won't say Matt. <laughs> but uh, we foolishly said that we could try to get the record done by August. Now, if you're listening and you supported us, we are working our asses off to get this record done, and I'm not bullshitting you, and I'm using a lot of profanity because I, I personally have been working my ass off. Matt has been working his ass off. Dave has not, and Josh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I I personally can tell you right now I've been laying down right now uh, – Screaming tracks, vocal tracks, all kinds of things. Devin is is going to Nashville next week to lay down his parts, and we're done. But doing a doing a record yourself uh, completely does take more time than we thought, than we had allotted for, and so we have a lot to do. And on top of all that, we have day jobs. We have to tour with Emory. We have to tour with Bad Christian. And uh, as you guys all know. Uh, in my life, my wife has cancer, and uh, we have been going through different stuff like that. So there are lots of life things going on as well. Can, well, we're so basically done with it, Please right? bear with us, and thank you so much. Yeah, we, we are basically done with it, but that doesn't mean that we're done with it. You know that. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. If you take the average of y'all's looks, like just physical appearance, Devin brings you guys to a nine. Without them, y'all are like a two. Yeah. Like well, just it, collaboratively as a I band. I disagree. Josh and Dave are very attractive. Yeah, but Devin just no. But yeah, Josh yeah. and Dave are extremely attractive guys. But you and Matt, Devin, Devin you and is Matt the golden bring child. It, you and Matt bring it down majorly. Matt, I want to ask you: you you are actually in Emory. Uh huh. Am I the ugliest person in Emory? <laughs> <laughs> I want your honest opinion right now. I want your honest opinion right now. Well, you know, it, things are subjective, man. You know, everything's all relative. It just depends on who you ask. I mean, there's some people with some weird fetishes that probably would be into some stuff you've got going on physically. I mean that. I, I mean that sincerely. It's primarily males that are attracted to you, and they are in gay biker bars. <laughs> I'm considered a bear. I, th I think I'm a bear. <laughs> all right, guys. Well... It's that time of the podcast. Are you ready, Matt? I'm ready. Let's do it. Sometimes this world gets you down. Sometimes you don't know where to turn. Well, guess who I am? I am the lighthouse today. I'm bringing you the news. My name is Toby Morrell, and this is News with Toby. And this is the damn news. This is the... Damn news. <laughs> is it like a damnable news? Like, are you cussing the news out? Please, quiet down. <laughs> I know you're excited, sir, but you need to let me do my thing. Thank you. Damn. <clears throat> my nurse. This <laughs> is the damn news. My first news tonight comes from my old friend, the Huffington Post. And it is Harrison Williams regrets surfing on the dead whale. And admits he's an an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many and ocean stories. <laughs> I do. I love the ocean. Yeah. You know, I really do. An Australian man who thought it would be a good idea to climb on top of a floating whale carcass now regrets his decision. Amateur whale rider Harrison Williams was filmed mounting the dead animal while sharks fed on it. Whoa. He says, I was about 
uh, he says, I was out. I want to do like an Australian accent here. I was out on the boat with the boys, <laughs> and one of my mates thought it'd be pretty funny if I surfed the whale. So I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was spot on. His friends apparently didn't see that there was at least one great white shark in the water. Fortunately, the sharks were too preoccupied with their meal to care about Williams. What do, y'all, what do you guys think about that? Is that? Should he have had to apologize for riding a dead whale? Of dead, course don't care. not. Of he course not. A public apologies are stupid. They're almost always stupid. I don't think there's any need for them. And I'll say this here. If I ever publicly apologize in that manner, I'm not being sincere, people. Call me out on Ooh, it. Man, Take this recorded right now. Say. I will do something stupid in the future. I may be asked to apologize. I intend to resist completely and if i am forced to apologize at least have this on record i'm faking it the apology is not real i'm not sorry if i am sorry wow I do apologize. a huge statement i do i do apologize for stuff when i get stuff wrong but it doesn't need to be a public apology to the now public. you're just gonna have to go no i know what i said but i really am well sorry. that's for that's for you to evaluate <laughs> I, I say to my friends when I'm sorry, I say to my wife when I'm sorry, I apologize when I'm sorry about something. But if if people demand that you make an apology statement and then you make it, that denies even the apology. It doesn't make sense. That's not a real apology. Well, check anyway. this out, though. He says his parents are pretty mad with him. He says, uh, my mom thinks I'm an idiot and dad's <laughs> not too proud either. <laughs> Joey, you got any comments about the public apology part or the surfing the dead whale? Either, buddy. Well, I don't have any problem with surfing the dead whale, that's for sure. I mean, I think some of the same people that are been out of shape about that are probably totally fine with killing unborn babies. So it's just kind of a, you know. <laughs> way to, yeah. man, way to transition there from a guy just trying to cut up to abortion. What I get from Matt and Joey is if you ride a whale, you support abortion, yep. and Matt will never apologize for abortion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>